What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So today, uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, but I'm also, like, I'm cautiously optimistic because some of this is going to be out of my wheelhouse, and I'll explain what I mean by that here in a minute. Uh, but I, I've already reached out to outside entities, going to do some some interviews with them to discuss that further to basically get a perspective that I don't have just because it's impossible. But Let's start with the background, right? So I, I had a listener reach out. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, I think, uh, where we've been working through a specific issue with a specific sailor. Uh, and basically what was being asked was sailor X has, uh, he's a third class, bunch of issues with being on time, being in the right uniform, more just basic work performance stuff. Uh, his interactions with all leadership are are frustrating to say the least. Like very up and down, hot and cold. Has uh, good days, bad days where he'll perform really well and do all the right things one day and have a good attitude, and then other days just self sabotages. Uh, kind of goes out of his way to be a pain, and the more frustrating part uh, for the leader that uh, is basically like his direct supervisor is she is by all accounts doing everything she possibly can for the sailor to succeed. And I'm talking far above and beyond the call of duty, right? Where uh, she's investing a ton of time into this kid, uh, probably giving him a lot more leeway than other sailors from the outside looking in think is appropriate. And I know that because some of her sailors have said that to her. Um, I like, I'll get into that piece of it and I kind of disagree with their perception of it, even though I understand it. Um, but we'll keep, we'll save that for later. And it's, she's doing just the kind of things that you'd expect of like a really good leader. Right. And I told her that, and, and I know she's listening to this and I hope that you understand that you are going far above and beyond and that you are doing everything you possibly can for this kid. And, and I mean, we're, we're exploring some other options as well, but I, you're doing so much for this kid. Uh, and I don't doubt that even if this thing ends in a fiery crash, uh, and, and him maybe getting separated or whatever, I can't imagine he will ever forget everything you've done for him. So just keep that in your mind as we work through this. So I explored this with her. We went back and forth a bunch where she explained uh, a lot of the issues this young man's having. Uh, and it sounded at first like there was a trust issue. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm going to save a lot of that for the interview that I do later and I'll explain why. But uh it seemed like there was a trust issue based on something I couldn't quite put my finger on. And we ta- as we talked through it, I, I took a stab at it, and it, it turned out I was kind of right. But after we got, like, after we worked through some of the conversation piece, it was, because uh, I ended up talking to this person on the phone at length about uh, the situation. I got to ask some more questions and hear a little bit more about uh, the interactions and, and, and their relationship is that, I think the sailor trusts his LPO, which is this leader, but I don't think he trusts anyone else. And I don't know that, um, I think he's kind of gotten to the point where she's fighting against history 
in the Navy and probably before that of authority figures treating him like he's just useless and and can't be a valuable contributing member of the team, right? And there are some interactions with leadership on his current unit that basically put a little bit of effort into him, told him, hey, start calling inside the lines. And in the absence of that kind of, in the kind of reaction they would expect and for him to start doing the things that they expected of him, uh, they basically wrote him off and said, okay, yep, we're in the accountability phase now. Start doing paperwork. Start going down the road of captain's mass, et cetera, right? And a lot of the entities that she's reached out to have given her similar guidance. Like, look, it's time to call it a day. Like, you've done more than you probably even needed to with this kid, and now it's time for accountability. Just do the administrative process so we can get rid of him and move on with life. Y'all know how I feel about that. Okay, um, it. In my opinion, there is no such thing as a lost cause. I hedge that with personal accountability is a real thing, and there's there's times where it needs to happen. Right? Uh, she's doing those things. Also, a lot of the leadership on the on the unit is doing that as well through the f- the formal administration piece. So I don't doubt based on our conversations that there is a stack of administration on this kid that if they wanted to go that route, they would have everything they needed to properly hold this kid accountable. But we're in a place where there's there's this gray area that exists when we're talking about this type of accountability where there's a sailor that's in trouble and a sailor that requires accountability. <laughs> And those sound kind of like the same thing, but they're not. So what I mean by a sailor that's in trouble, like a sailor that needs help. So maybe a better way of saying it is like a like a sailor that needs help and a sailor that's in trouble, quote unquote, right? Where it's you're in that accountability phase. It's this sailor needs help. And from the outside looking in, especially to the juniors that get so frustrated by the sailor that's not doing all the things that they expected them and isn't pulling their weight, so it's making their job harder, and on their micro level, that's that's BS. It looks very much the same, like the sailor that needs help and the sailor that's in trouble. It looks the same to them. So they're sitting there wondering why leadership isn't dropping an anvil on this kid's head, and it's because the leader that he has, thank God, recognizes the difference between a sailor that needs help and a sailor that's in trouble. So she's trying to help this kid. And the beautiful thing about her recognizing this is she's also seizing the opportunity to teach her juniors the difference between those two and teach them the tools for helping that sailor. Because when you end up in this in this realm where we're talking about what many people would view as a lost cause, you start talking about all the things that you need to to get this sailor out of the position that they're in, to get them to start doing the things they need to do to perform. So what are those things? So me and uh, me and this sailor have talked a lot about it, and it's one of her favorite things to bring up, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Uh, if you don't know what that is, you it's a pyramid. You can Google it. It'll show up. It's super simple. I'm looking at it right now. So it, you start at the very bottom Right where uh, you start with things like physiological needs like food, water, shelter, sleep, right? 
uh, safety needs. Like I, I can't be scared everywhere. I, like if I'm terrified, I'm not going to be worried about meeting higher level needs that we'll talk about in a minute. But it, I need to be safe. I need to not be constantly in fear for my physical safety. Uh, belonging and love. This one's big. Okay, because this one is the one that I think we miss the most and how we end up in the situations we're in now. Right. Where there were times where this sailor that we're talking about, his physiological needs were not being met. Uh, A story was relayed to me where this this some things happened and this sailor hadn't eaten in like days. And so she, upon learning that, quickly remedied that situation. Right. Um, So obviously, when you're in a shop and you have a sailor that's misbehaving and uh, you're trying to address the reasons for doing that, a lot of times we just presume all of their all of their regular baseline level needs are already met because the Navy provides three hots in a cot, right? There are, you have a place to live, you have food, you have healthcare, you have all these things, so we're just assuming that those needs are met, right? So we don't ask the questions. Luckily, this this leader asked the questions and found out those things weren't being met, so she fixed that. So you moved on to safety, got it. We're, we're in a place where this sailor, at least the majority of the time, should feel safe, right? And we, there's a whole nother conversation we could have about how the work environment makes sailors feel unsafe on a regular basis through things like sexual assault, sexual trauma, uh, bullying, poor leadership, etc., I'm going to move past those because otherwise this is going to be a five-hour podcast, but I'm more than willing to talk about those things, uh, I and I reference you back to, like I did this leader, the Amber Viola interview, where we talked about some of those things. We're going to talk again soon, um, and I'll get to that in a minute, but so moving on, right? So the belonging and love needs, this is the thing that I cue in on the most because this is the thing that I feel like, and and I'm more than willing to discuss this point, but I feel like we screw up the most where when we have an underperforming sailor, for whatever the reason is that we generally don't take the time to figure out, we treat them like they don't belong in our group anymore. And when I'm saying we leadership has a definite role in this, but a lot of times the group, like the division, the work center, whatever, the team, ostracizes that person because they're not pulling their weight. They're making their life more difficult. Maybe group punishment came into play where that that work center is getting punished and their life is more difficult all the time because this one sailor just can't figure it out. So they do what most groups do and try to eject that person from it. Try to kind of put them out on the fringes and ostracize them because it's a form of accountability from the group where they're punishing that person for not doing the things that they should be doing. But then we have to ask that question that I feel like is the key to making sure that the belonging and love needs are met is why is that sailor not meeting the the requirements of that group? Why is he not performing in the way that we expect of him? Or her. I'm, I'm referencing the <laughs> the situation I'm talking about uh, in the interactions with this leader. So we have to drill that drill that down. Figure out why. Like why is he not behaving in the way that we expect? It's not just because he's a bad person. It's not just because he's electing to be an underperforming sailor. I go back to the thing that I say all the time: is none of these kids and kids by I mean junior sailors are not showing up every day to work. And I mean, I don't believe anybody does this really with very few exceptions. They're not showing up just just like I'm going to suck today. 
Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm going to show up to my work center and just be a piece of crap. Nobody does that. There's reasons for why they're behaving the way they're behaving, right? There's an emotional reaction to some stimulus, some event, some stress that's happening where they're deciding to be angry, withdrawn, frustrated. They don't trust you. They don't trust the other people in the work center. Like there's something going on there and you got to go about figuring that out, taking the time to get past or around any barriers that are kind of keeping you from figuring out why this kid isn't responding the way that he should be. And oftentimes we skip that and we're just like, well, all of the baseline level needs are being met and the reason you're not being treated like you belong in this group is because you're not earning it. You're not doing the things that you should be doing to, to be a functioning member of this team. So I'm going to drop an anvil on your head and move on with life and replace you with somebody that gets it. Where when what we should really be doing is addressing why this sailor isn't performing it or doing the things that we expect of them to be a part of this group, figure out why, address those things so that that need is met and then they can progress up the pyramid to things like esteem needs, cognitive needs, aesthetic needs, self-actualization and transcendence, right? Those are like the the rest of the pyramid that if if you can't, it's like steps. If you can't get, if you don't get past one, you're not going to get to the other ones. So when this kid doesn't feel like a, a he's a valuable contributing member of the team because the team is ostracizing him, like you get caught in this pickle, right? Where I, I've talked about it previously. I had a sailor in my division when I showed up to my last submarine where this kid was not doing any of the things he was supposed to be doing. There was no accountability happening either. He was just kind of existing in the corner, demoralized, um, sad, like ostracized from the team, not doing anything to valuably contribute ever. And the first thing I said is why? Like what's going on there? And the guys explained it to me and they're like, and the guy relieved it too. Like he like, we've tried, he just doesn't get it. We've tried accountability and the command doesn't have an appetite for it. So he's just kind of here stealing oxygen. And I'm like, no, this is no. So, okay, let's start from scratch. Cause I'm a new leader. And, uh, and like we all like to, I'm going to think, well, oh, he has, he's been, he's been worked on, but he hasn't been worked on by me. Right. A little, little bit of that ego comes into play, but I'm just like, no, like what? I'm gonna exhaust every every tool I have because he's he's entitled to that. That's my job. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you've tried everything and on this sailor and you've done everything you possibly could, and I'm gonna fail. But it's my job to to try, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So we. I start evaluating this kid. I start talking to the division about him. I start talking to the other chiefs and everybody else at the command who's had more time with him than I have. And basically what I've come to understand is that he's just been allowed to exist. Like he set a baseline when he showed up of being less intelligent and um, unwilling to put in the work. And it was, it was a lot of times it was blamed on and considered like a cognitive thing. Like they just thought this kid was dumb. And uh, there wasn't an appetite to to push him to do anything or to get him qualified or to do any of the things. So they just kind of fell into this negative feedback loop where he was doing poorly. They would punch him in the face for doing poorly, uh, do the paperwork, and then he would loop back around and continue to do poorly. 
It, and it was just like, it was like no, and he would get ostracized and it would just, and based on him being ostracized and being sad about that, uh, he would, it would just loop back around to him, him performing negatively again, which is what I think happens a lot of the times in these situations. So upon taking the time to get to know this kid a little bit better and having conversations with him, uh, both during formal counseling sessions and just going out of my way to, to show interest in him, I found out that he was very passionate about the idea of being in the military and the idea of being a submariner. Um, but I think that based on his context and background, he had never really had to work for anything before. He never worked hard uh, and had to earn things. And in this situation, which blew my mind, because if you know anything about the culture of submarines, like nothing's given, it's all earned. So I was pretty shocked to learn that he kind of just outlasted everybody. And um, instead of this this kid being uh, lost to attrition, he was kind of just kept around and then like given some things uh, effectively. Um, and that frustrated me quite a bit. So we put him in the position to do the things that he needed to do uh, and earn the right to be a part of that group. But here's the rub. He had already been ostracized from the group. And when I talked to my second classes and the rest of the division, I'm like, look, I, I, I'm asking you guys to, uh, and it's it's all guys on this platform that I was on. I, we don't have female enlisted yet, so that's not me screwing up pronouns. It's, I, I need you guys to allow him to be a part of the group. I'm not saying you have to give him things he hasn't earned, but I am saying you have to stop destroying this kid every five minutes. Because what was happening is, Every single time he did something even remotely wrong or even did something that wasn't like like he didn't get it or wasn't, you know, what I mean, like he was having a moment where uh, he just did the wrong thing. It, they would destroy him. They would just, they would just gang up on him, start just demeaning him, uh, telling him he was stupid, making fun of him. The whole division's literally five grown men are in one space laughing at this kid. It's like a bad dream. So I told him, I'm like, look, think about it if you were him. Take out the piece where he he earned some of this due to his lack of acceptable performance. In their minds, he's earned this treatment, right? So take that out of the equation for just for a second for this mental exercise. So now if you showed up here and you were treated that way, would you would you want to help any of the people that were treating you the way that you guys are treating him? No, of course not. You wouldn't want to do anything for you. Like, neither would I. So add that back in. So add the negative performance back in, right? So now it's it's all of a sudden validated for you guys to treat him this way because he earned it. So, so if we look at this from a big picture, like you guys are mad at him because he's not performing. Him not performing takes one person out of a six-person division. It's a big hit. So you're mad at him because you have to do more work and because when he does dumb stuff, you got to do rework or it makes us look stupid. So then everybody's making fun of us and you guys got to like play that off. So you guys are frustrated because he doesn't want to help. He doesn't want to help because of the way you guys are treating him. You're treating him that way because you're frustrated that he doesn't want to help. You see the problem here? Like we're stuck in this negative feedback loop where we're chasing our tail. So something's got to give. And I'm asking you to stop treating him that way 
so that we can find out if including him in the group, even in a small way, will be a catalyst for the type of change we're looking for, which is him being a valuable contributing member of the team. Now, define valuable contributing member of the team. So this kid's ceiling was clearly lower than everyone else's. I'd like to be proven wrong, and I hope that that happens someday. But analyzing it through the lens of my experience and expertise, this kid's ceiling is lower than everyone else's in that division at that time. But he wasn't even close to his ceiling in his performance on a regular basis. So that's the goal. No matter what cards you're dealt, your goal is to get that kid to his ceiling, to his absolute optimal performance level, even if that optimal performance is the bare minimum required to earn the paycheck of that pay grade, right? A, a, the definition of a P-sailor. That's the goal. Everything else is discretionary effort, right? Everything else is effort that by through good leadership, inspirational leadership, motivating them in, in all the ways we've talked about in the past, you're going to like convince them to go above and beyond. Because when you look at the definitions of a, a MP and EP sailor, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about extra. We're talking about them deciding to expend discretionary effort. So all we're talking about is getting that sailor to perform at the level of a promotable baseline bare minimum required to pull a paycheck sailor like like you're standing on the line between getting in trouble and like just flying under the radar and pulling a paycheck but not much else right like there's value in that in getting a sailor from underperforming to the p level like those are if you think about it, we're saying that that's average. Above average is an is a must promote and excellent, like just lighting the world on fire is an is an early promote, right? So I want to get this sailor from below average to average, or significantly below average to average, or wherever they're at. That should be the goal. That's step one. That's the baseline. We're talking about the bottom of the pyramid of leadership development. If we're standing that up next to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the the I'm at the very bottom and I'm trying to build them up to the middle, right? I'm trying to build them up from deficiency needs into growth needs. I'm trying to get them across that, just that line where they're a functional contributing member of the team. So this sailor... I mean, it took a long time. It was, it was like pulling teeth. But when they stopped ostracizing him, that was step one to turning this thing around because he started to feel like he was part of the team. And then trusting him to do certain things, giving him ownership of some kind of a process, allowing him as he worked on it, right? I had to push him to work on it, but... I, a lot of it was me and and my CS2 sitting down and teaching him things because he would just fall asleep every time he looked at a book. It was when we sat down, we taught him things, he demonstrated them, and then he started to progress in his quals, which was the first time that had ever happened. So he's he's being treated like he's sort of a, like he's getting his foot in the door, starting to get treated like he's part of the team. He's starting to earn the things that are, are kind of like the metrics for being a valuable contributing member of the team, like qualifications. He's given ownership of small processes. I put him in, in charge of baking, which I, he had training wheels on. I had a CS1 babysitting him the whole time, but he was doing it. 
he was contributing. Like he, he was baking and doing a great job. There were times where he had issues, sure, but he had never been trusted with anything like this before. Then he then he got qualified galley watch captain, which was huge. And he contributed and he stood duty in port, which he'd never done before. So when you start to see, you start to see all these changes in him where his attitude's changing, starting to show up on time, starting to have shiny boots, like what? <laughs> starting to talk smack to the rest of the division when they came at him sideways because you can't, you can't give him a hard time for not being qualified anymore. You can't give him a hard time for not being a contributing member of the team because he's doing it. So he would start to give it back and be in, involved in the types of exchanges that we've become accustomed to seeing in the in the shop, right? Where that's that's how valuable contributing members of the team, people that have been accepted into that group and have that belonging, like that's people that belong to a group behave that way. So you started to see all those things happen. Was he still the lowest performing member of the team? Yes. Yes, he was. But he was valuable. And that's the, they're the same person existing in the same space. And it's important to recognize that. Like if you grade them all out on a curve, if he's at the bottom of the curve, he's still valuable and still contributing to the success of the team. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that. It's like this kid, just because he's the bottom P doesn't mean that he's not valuable to the organization. And that applies to everybody that's got ears that this sound is making it to. Like if you've got a bottom P sailor, that sailor is a valuable contributing member, a member of your team. Do we still want to improve on that? Of course we do. But getting them to do everything beyond that is discretionary effort. And that's where... You, your leadership is what needs to find that motivation, exploit that motivation, get them to start doing all of the things, get them to buy in, get them to feel a sense of ownership, and then it all kind of progresses and snowballs into hopefully an MP or an EP sailor. But when we're talking about situations like this, explore their needs because that sense of belonging is important. And the part I left out at the beginning, I'm going to touch on here and I'm going to leave the rest for an interview because I'm acutely aware of no matter how much I read about and research and discuss, there are perspectives that are impossible for me to have. Like like real in-depth understanding of being in that situation. And one of them, well, like one of the, it's like demographics, right? Like, it's not one of them because there's a ton of them, but I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the military. I don't know what it's like to be a different race. I don't know what it's like to be a different sexual orientation. I don't know what it's like to be different religions. So there are barriers to that sense of belonging. There are barriers to a sailor trusting a leader when I'm a man and that sailor's a woman and for whatever reason there is is a significant barrier to communication there, right? Where like something something may have happened in that sailor's context, in that sailor's like upbringing or prior naval experience, like their career that has caused them not to trust men or not to trust a white guy. There's there are barriers that can happen based on prior experiences that are really, really difficult to overcome. Not impossible, but really difficult. Uh, and that was that's a smaller piece of this situation. And that's why I'm, I'm saving it for later, because initially when when me and this leader talked, um, I've experienced sailors where for like I it's like I was able to convince them that 
they could trust me enough but not all the way and it made it really difficult for me to get them to respond and get them to to a place where I could like make like satisfy all those needs like get them that feeling of belonging like get them like I could physiological needs are easy like I can get you food like I'll take you to Subway I'll get you food like we'll go to the commissary I will buy you groceries I will do whatever I have to do to meet those needs that's easy I got phone numbers and offices I can walk into and doors that just open because I'm a senior chief and we have those conversations I get people barracks rooms uh get them in the galley, whatever. Like I, I, that's, that part's easy for me. It's when you get up to belonging and love needs, it's, it's like getting them to, to feel like they can accept me as a leader and accept their other teammates and everything else. Like there's a lot of times barriers based on experiences that I don't even have the, like, I don't have the tools to confront. And a lot of times what I defaulted on was, uh, basically just asking for help. Um, I found myself in situations with students sometimes that wouldn't respond to me or that I even that I'd kind of like figured out enough about the situation to to think that I might be able to get there eventually, but I could get there a lot faster and get these these sailors needs met if I like threw out a lifeline. And so what I would do is I'd go find a female chief or I'd go find an African-American chief or I'd go find a Muslim chief like or or a first class or a second class or any other leader. Like it's kind of like the, the situation I described where um, there were times that based on distrust of chiefs, I would send my second class to go find out what was going on because I knew if I went in there and asked the question, they wouldn't answer me. So I don't have the ability to get the things I need to take care of that sailor. So it's like, I need to know what's really happening, (laughs) not what they're going to, pre-packaged for senior and and tell me is happening right so I'd send my second class in to go find out what's going on and they would tell him and then he'd come back and brief me and I would figure out a way to help that sailor without destroying that trust and burning that that connection that my my second class has with those juniors and that every it's like everything works out and it, it happens a lot faster than it would have if I tried to like interrogate that sailor and get them to tell me what was going on. And then if they didn't tell me and I felt like they were lying, then I take them into the chief's mess and we start beating on them and, until they submit and and give me whatever information that may or may not be true. And then it, it, now they trust me even less and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like it's kind of like that where it's there's a better way to unlock this this lock, right? Like there's a, there's a better way for me to, uh, circumvent this obstacle instead of, instead of banging my head against the wall until there's a big hole in it, I can go around it and I can do that by getting help. And so that's what I would do a lot of the times. And I'm not saying like we, me and that leader talked and she said it was, she felt like it was kind of a cop out to, to go get another leader instead of, instead of doing it herself. And I disagree in that I, the reason I've been able to help as many sailors as I have is because I ask for help all the time. Um, there are a ton of times where the only reason I was in a position to help in the first place is because I'm stubborn and nosy and I get myself into that situation because I recognize a sailor in need, right? I can see they need help. Does that mean I'm going to be able to do every single thing to help them? Absolutely not. That's why we have so many resources available in the military. Like go look at the fleet and family support center, like roster of things that they have available for sailors to help them out, right? We've got the, the chaplains, we've got like 
uh, all the sapper, like all these programs available because I'm not an expert in everything. It's impossible for me to have the expertise and context and, and experience in all of the things. So I ask for help all the time. And, and I find applying that principle in leadership situations, I can get to where we need to be faster with that sailor if I go ask for help. If, if there's a leader, they're going to receive better, at least right now, because a byproduct of me going in and throwing out a lifeline is that sailor is going to recognize that it, I'm not, there's no like arrogant, like self-centered need of mine. This isn't about me. This is only about helping them because if, if I go get an outside entity to help them and, and like walk away and just, okay, this, this senior chief's going to help you or this chief's going to help you or this first class. And we hook them up with that type of, of a leadership solution. It's like, they're going to trust me as a result even more because now they have a little bit more of a warm fuzzy that I don't have any other motive other than helping them. It's not about me feeling good about being the leader that solved that problem. It's not about maybe me setting them up for some kind of like accountability later where I'm trying to get information out of them so I can drop an anvil on their head. Like there's not any landmines here. I literally just want you to get help. And a lot of those like the distrust stuff I'm talking about, I'm just giving random examples based on a ton of things that could have happened in the past that led them to a point where maybe they don't trust me or maybe they don't, they're not like just comfortable communicating with me. And they'd be more comfortable or more trusting of another leader because they have the same background or the same context or the same experiences or similar, right? I think that that can bridge a lot of gaps. And that's the kind of as far as I really want to delve into that um, because, again, I don't have some of the contexts that I need. And as I was talking to um, this leader, uh, who's a woman, I was kind of like, you know, like you have the perspective of a woman. I don't. And as I'm explaining this to you, this is what I think, but I also could just be a giant idiot and, and be way off base here. And she didn't think I was kind of agreed. And I'm going to have a conversation with uh, Amber Viola, the interview that I referenced earlier about some of these things, because she's done a lot of research on some of it. But I want to, I want to have conversations because I think they're very, very worth having about how uh, everybody's diversity of background and experience, it affects our interactions in like leadership situations, right? And I and I think that recognizing that those things exist and recognize them, recognizing them when they happen and identifying the solutions to overcoming whatever communication barriers exist are extremely valuable. Because I think that a lot of times not recognizing that they exist lead us to skip a bunch of steps in addressing the needs on the on the hierarchy that we talked about. And it just, it, we skip a lot of steps in doing things that we would normally do to take care of a sailor that um, doesn't have those communication barriers. And we j- jump right to accountability. And by accountability, I mean like disciplinary action is we skip a whole bunch of steps because this sailor is, is just like resisting you at every, every opportunity. And so you view that as like negative performance or their unwillingness to listen and and it's like a disciplinary issue when it's really not it's just you need to figure out why there's a communication barrier there so that you can break it down or go around it and start addressing the needs that they have so that you can get them to perform the way that they are expected to and the way that they want to 
it's a big thing that I, I think that we miss is like these these sailors are not showing up to work wanting to suck. <laughs> like there's something that's preventing them from being a valuable contributing member of the team, which they desire to be. And we need to figure out what that is. And we need to do whatever it takes to remedy that so that those sailors can do the things that they need to do. I saw a post one time where it, you've, when I was talking to this leader, she called it the 80-20 rule. I've heard 90-10 where um, you spend 90% of your time on 10% of your sailors, right? And uh, a lot of times in interactions I've had with people, they kind of view that as a negative thing. Like if I've got 90% of these sailors doing the right thing all the time, why should I spend all my bandwidth on the 10% that, that are not, right? Like the 90% earned my attention. I should spend the time on them, developing them, recognizing them. And that's that's where that time should be spent. Basically, almost like it's an unfair uh, distribution of, of like my attention. My argument with that is you go where the need is. Like you go where your the, the leadership opportunity is. When you see these sailors in need, that's like that's where the demand signal is. That's your job. So go address that. The sailors that are already operating at a high level, especially like the EP or high MP sailors, they don't need as much of your attention because all their other needs are met. So unless something changes drastically or unless you show them such a small amount of attention that then their needs start falling off right where their needs are it start they start to regress down that pyramid then that's a problem and that's something that needs to be addressed but if they're if you've already got them at self-actualization and transcendence like you're good you need to continue to make do maintenance on that but it's going to require much less of your attention and i can tell you when we're talking about group dynamics the group is going to want you to pay attention to the thing that's on fire not over like everything's good over here we don't need you over here they're good. They know that you trust them. They know that you're proud of them because you say it, but they don't want you to spend all your attention over here. They want you to spend your attention on those sailors that need it. And those sailors need it. Not that the 90% doesn't need a little bit of your attention and your reassurance and your guidance at times. They do. So so make sure that's it. But it's, it's like a maintenance phase, right? You're not building it up. You're not doing like this foundational building and just like significant involved construction like it's just maintenance the the building's already built you're just doing maintenance but over there you got to build something you got to start and build it from the ground up so that's where your sailors want you because the group is hurting and we talked about that earlier the group suffers when one of these sailors isn't performing it at at least the bare minimum required standard so they want you to go over there and fix that Trust me, if you don't believe me, go ask. Like, hey, would you rather I spend all my time on the people that are doing a good job or would you rather I fix all of the problems that we have in our our work center and at least get them up to performing at the level of a peace sailor? Like, would you rather I do that or would you rather I just spend all my time on you and then we just watch the dumpster fire burn? And I, I promise you they're gonna tell you they want you to go fix that because they they want the team to be successful. They want to be members of a valuable organization with a good reputation. They want to see their teammates succeed. Even if their teammates are currently people that they ostracize and are punishing because they're trying to 
like exercise some group accountability because they want them to change their behavior. That's why they're treating them that way. That's why they're trying to ostracize them. It's accountability. The group is trying to exercise some type of accountability for that member of the team to get them to start getting back inside the lines and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. They want you to fix that. So go fix it. That's where the leadership opportunity is. That's where your attention should be. That's our job. With that, I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> um, I This is one that I think could start a pretty in-depth conversation, and I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm really happy to have it. Uh, I've had a lot of really great conversations with the leader that uh, relayed this situation to me. I've already reached out to Amber. We're going to find a time to do an, an interview about the the context or not the contextual piece, the um, the barriers that I was talking about. Get her perspective on that. She's done research and, and uh, it's kind of part of her career field as a social worker. So we're going to talk about those types of things. Um, very excited for that. But reach out if you've got feedback for me. Uh, if you think I'm an idiot, which is entirely possible, or you just got questions, comments, concerns, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me, don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit at DGUTS Podcast or just DGUTS Podcast on Reddit. Uh, we have a sub now as well, as well DGUTS Podcast. So uh, we post all the episode stuff in there and just try to try to have a conversation about it. The, my other moderator in there right now is the uh, the chief that I talked to on all the Ask the Chief episodes. So uh, feel free to interact with me or him or everyone. <laughs> it's it's slowly growing, kind of small. And then you'll see it on, on, the, on the Navy subreddit as well. A lot of conversation happens there because it's, it's a lot bigger. And then... Uh, if you want to support us, dgutspodcast.com slash shop. Uh, we've got t-shirts, magnets, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. You get something cool, uh, and while we're not profiting, uh, it helps us pay all the bills that are involved with the podcast. So if you want to support us, dgutspodcast.com slash shop. Pick up something, uh, and, and it helps us in that small way. And then uh, if you could, I, I never say it at the beginning. You'd think I'd learn this lesson. I'm going to like put a sticky on my computer or something. <laughs> is uh, it helps us a lot to get the word out uh, as all of you, whether you're engaging with the podcast or just passively listening, like, subscribe, share, review it, all those things. Like the more you share the content, the farther it spreads, whether it's on social media or you just text somebody the link that you think needs to hear something. Uh, a lot of times what I do is like somebody asks a question in some kind of a forum on a specific topic and it's like, I got a whole podcast on that and I just shoot them the link. That's that was kind of the design behind the platform, but I, we don't have the money for advertising, so uh, at least not right now, and it doesn't look like we will anytime soon. But uh, if, if you could, it helps us out a lot when when the organic advertising happens, right? When when you guys share, like, subscribe, review on on all of the platforms, uh, it helps get the word out, uh, and so we would appreciate that. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship. <laughs> <laughs>